God is good. Amen. I said, God is good. Amen. Man. Praise God. Well, get your Bibles out. I want to share something with you tonight. I really feel like this message is specifically for somebody. I don't know if it's going to be somebody watching, somebody listening. One of y'all in here tonight. It's all good word, but I just know there's something specific in here for someone tonight. So I want you to go to Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Matthew 7, 24. Now I'm just going to be grabbing bits and pieces from the messages I've preached the last couple of weeks. And I want to focus tonight on Matthew 7, 24 for just a little bit. It says, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them. Everybody say does them. Does them. I will liken him into a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rains descended, the floods came, the wind blew, and it beat on that house, and it did not fall, for its foundation was on the rock. Now, most of the time when we read this scripture, we're focused on the house being built upon the rock. Right? I mean, that's what, that's what every, every great preacher in the world preaches. You know, you got to have your foundation on the rock, and, and that's all true. But I want to focus tonight on three other aspects. And you might not like it, but you're going to have to listen to it. The rains descended, the floods came, and the winds blew. Actually, it's four, and it beat on the house. So we can just throw beating on the house in there with it. Right? The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew, and they beat on the house. Now, if you read both, you know, then the next one, he talks about the, the unwise person who built their house on the sand. The same, the same winds, the same rain, the same floods came and it beat on the house, right? The only difference was the foundation. But there's winds, there's rain, there's floods, and there's beating on the house, all right? So I want to, this title of this message is tonight, What to Do in Your Face with a Disaster, Okay, so now I want you to flip over to the Old Testament, to the book of Exodus, chapter 12. And I want to just share something with you for a minute, and then I'll get into the scripture. <clears throat> so I think every one of us at life have been faced with a disaster. If you, disasters are, 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 are kind of uh, one of those things that, what may be a disaster to one person doesn't seem like a disaster to another person because the other person may have been through a bigger disaster. Hello? Because once you've overcome disasters or lived through disasters or walked through disasters or, you know, overcame disasters, well, then, you know, then, then with the next disaster doesn't seem quite as bad. Right? But to some people, it could be the smallest thing is just a huge disaster, and you're looking at them and saying... Man, that ain't a big disaster. You know, it's not that big. And then other people, you're like, whoa, you know, okay. But, um, but disasters come to all people. And you can't really sit back and somebody, you can't really look at a person and say, well, that's not much. You shouldn't be upset over that, you know. Because to that person, it may be a huge thing, and that's not right for us to judge that. But the bottom line is, is that no matter who you are in life, the rains are going to descend, the flood's going to come, the wind's going to blow, and it's going to beat on your house. It's going to happen. We live in a fallen world. We live in a world where things are not perfect. We live in a world where, where, where things are not right. When I first got saved, 
<clears throat> I just was under the impression, and I don't know how I arrived at this impression, but I was under the impression that since I was saved, since I was born again, since Jesus is my Lord and Savior, since I was filled with the Holy Ghost, I would never have a problem again. That's just the, that's just the way I looked at it. I mean, I'm just like, I'm not going to have any problems anymore. I'm just going to be able to sell through life, you know, uh, with Jesus. And then I never forget that day. And I, I you know, uh, I've told you all this before, but it was a Sunday and, you know, and, 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 and oh my gosh, we got up and we trying to get ready. And we, we were living uh, away from Utopia and had to drive up here and we're trying to get off on time. And, and I remember, we, you know, I went down there and I put the toast in the little toaster oven and the thing caught on fire and I had to just throw it outside. And then the, 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 we were trying to dry some clothes that morning or fluff some clothes or something and the, the dryer went out. And then I went outside to get in the car and I had a flat tire on it and I had to go back inside, take my good clothes off, put something else on, go change tire, got that on there, went down the road, the horse was out. This is all true, is it not? This all happened the same day the same Sunday morning, and the horses, I had to put the horse back in, we go down the road, a buzzard from hell flies out of nowhere, crashes into our windshield, uh, you know, and then we get down the road a little farther, and a hog runs across the road, we slam on the brake, throw all the kids into the floorboards, you know, one of those kind of deals, and, and you know, just it was just, it was just this like, when we got to the church, it was just like, <sighs> you know, we made it, but I was determined no, nothing was going to stop us, like I felt like it was a total attack from hell coming upon us. Um, but I didn't think those days were going to happen when I got saved. I thought I could just, you know, speak and, and everything would just line up and move. So we're all going to face disasters. Now, it's how we face them if we see victory. All right. So I want to go in here to Exodus chapter 12 is where I'm going to end up at. But you get the children of Israel here. Now, you think about it. God had opened up a blessing for them. Right. Joseph had already gone before him, which was a disaster in itself to him, thrown into a pit by his brothers, you know, Potiphar's wife, the being in prison, all this kind of stuff. Now he's risen to, the, to, the, to this place, this pinnacle of, of success. He's got, you know, family around him. He's got all this stuff around him. He's living in the best places. He's the third uh, in charge over everything in, 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 in Egypt. You know, he's just right there at the right hand of Pharaoh. He's the most powerful man, you know, around the land. Everything starts to happen. Things start happening. Things start going. And then all of a sudden the famine and he has the dream. And, you know, y'all know all this, right? So he has the famine. He has the dream. He gets all this stuff in there. He gets this all set up. And then here comes Papa and all the family. Family comes over there. 70, 75 people come over there. They get the best of everything. They get out there in the land of Goshen. It's this is the best fertile place. They're raising their livestock, man. They're living their life, Right? And a lot of them right there in those days, if he would have been a part of the family in those days, man, it would have been good stuff, man. I mean, you know, brothers up there sitting on the throne and, you, you know, you got it all right. And, man, you got good. It would have been easy life. But then all of a sudden, you know, the Bible says that Pharaoh died. And then another Pharaoh rose up that didn't know Joseph and didn't know them and got to saying, hey, there's a bunch of them over there. We need to make them our slaves. And so they became in bondage. Now, you got to understand the bondage. They're they're. They're building the pyramids, they're digging the copper mines, they're digging the silver mines, they're, you know, they're, they're, they're at the bottom of the rung. I mean, they're abused every day, living just under the torment of any time an Egyptian wanted to kill one of them, he just knock them in the head. And so they've been living like that, living in fear, living in, in poverty, living in oppression, right? And now they're going to get delivered. Here come Moses. So Moses comes in, you know, they go through all the, the, uh, the, 
changing the water and the blood and the frogs and the lice and the locusts and the darkness and all these things. And finally, the firstborns, you know, of every firstborn of the, every one of Pharaoh's household, every one of the, everybody in Egypt, every one of the animals, everything, every firstborn died, right? And so now Pharaoh finally gives up and says, get out of here. Let's go. Just get, get out of here. Okay. So I want to pick this up in uh, Exodus chapter 12, verse 36. And it says, And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they granted them what they requested. Thus they plundered the Egyptians. And so now they've gone to the Egyptians' house. They've asked for all the stuff, walked up, literally knocked on the door, said, I want all your silver and gold and and garments and everything. They said, sure, just take it. Just get out of here. Just, just don't. Just get you and your God. Get out of here and leave us alone. So now they've got this stuff. Everybody say they got stuff. So they got stuff all around them, right? I mean, you know, <clears throat> I don't know what you're... I mean, you, you, you know, there's some things that are just not going to be very useful to them living in their hut, right? And I'm a person who doesn't really like clutter. I do like to hoard things because I keep thinking I'm going to need it sometime. But then when my clutter gets to be too much, then I'm, I'm ready to get rid of all the clutter and I'm, I get rid of it because I don't like it around me, okay? So you don't, they couldn't have had much of a house is what I'm trying to say. And the next thing you know, you just went and plundered the big house of the Egyptian and now you got it all in your little house, okay? It's going to get crowded. Okay, so then it says, and then the children of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Sukkoth. About 600,000 men on foot besides the children. A mixed multitude went up with them and the flocks and the herds and a great deal of livestock. And they baked unleavened bread cakes of dough and they brought out, uh, that they brought out of Egypt. It was not leavened because they were driven out of Egypt and could not wait, nor had they prepared provisions for themselves. So I, I, wanna get, I just want to put you in this picture for just a minute. All right? All of a sudden, you're in your little hut. You just got through plundering the Egyptian. You just got all this stuff around you. And then Moses says, come on, let's go. We're going to the promised land. Now, they didn't load up in a caravan. There wasn't a bus out there for them. They didn't have wagons and carts. So you just got through plundering this Egyptian. Now you've got all of his stuff you're carrying. Think about that. How much weight would you want to carry when you're going on a really long hike? No specialized backpack. No one of those specialized backpack with the little braces and everything on it so you could get in there and hoop over. No, 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 no. You just got stuff, right? And you didn't have time to make fluffy bread, right? So you got, you got basically hard tortillas shoved in your backpack, and you're leaving. And okay, so... So you're a single person. Ain't no big deal. I mean, you know, like it's a big, it'll be, you know, okay, it'll be okay. Just you, you're going to take care of. But what if you're a mother with children? What if you got a one-year-old? There was kids in here. Because if you look at all the stats, you figure it all up, most people agree that there's about like 1.2, 1.3 million people. So what I'm saying is it was a pretty good inconvenience, Right? You got all this stuff. You're packing on there. You're going. The very first day from Ramses to Sukkoth, six to eight miles. That's all they made it. Six to eight miles. I mean, that's barely getting a good start, right? But you got 1.2 million people. So you're talking about moving. You did, I mean, folks, if there was 1.2 million people trying to just go down, you know, 
187 or 1050. I mean, how many could you get in a row to keep going? I mean, from where the first was to the end is going to be a long line, right? So they made it, and, and, and y'all don't hold me to these figures because there's a lot of discrepancy in there, you know, but it, I'm just giving you a rough figure. Six to eight miles. That's how far it was from Ramses to Sukkoth, about six to eight miles. So then the next day, if you, if you read in here, you know, God, uh, Moses talks to the people about consecrating their firstborn, doing some things like that, getting their hearts right before God, doing all this. And so then they start moving to the Red Sea. So they're moving to the Red Sea, which is somewhere like 30 to 40 miles from Sukkoth. This is all Masamenos. I'm just trying to tell you, it wasn't that far. They didn't like travel hundreds of miles. So now you've made it from Utopia to Uvalde, Canipa, really. And you're at the Red Sea. All right? Now, God has delivered you. You are no longer a slave. You are free. Pharaoh's let you go. You've got your arms piled with silver and gold from the, the Egyptians, the, their garments. You've got all this stuff you're carrying out there, but you're in, the, you're in the wilderness. You're outside. Now, this is another thing you need to understand. God didn't abandon them. In the morning, there was a cloud that appeared over them and moved. Right? And then at night, there was a pillar of fire. So anytime you would have had some thoughts or doubts or worries or fears, you could have just stepped out. I mean, if they had a tent underneath your two sticks with your Egyptian garment pulled over to give you a little bit of protection. And you look out and you see this fire, this, the Shekinah glory of God. I mean, it wasn't like it was a flicker. It wasn't like a flame. Like, Where is that? Where is that? Do you see the flame? No. I mean, it was huge, right? And said, hey, that's God's over there, right? And still know everything's okay. But now they end up at the Red Sea. So they get to the Red Sea and go over here to uh, chapter 14. So <clears throat> they've only been out three days, more or less. And they're at the Red Sea. And now Pharaoh's heart changes. And now Pharaoh's coming. And it looks pretty much like a big disaster. And the people all turn. And he immediately starts saying, where's God? Why did you bring us out here? So from this glorious victory, from dancing, shouting in the streets, become wealthy overnight with all the wealth they got off the, the plundering of the Egyptians. Now they've turned and said, God, where, where's God? What's he doing? Now, if you go back and you look at the plagues and you read the stories of the plagues, I don't want to get into all that, but you just go back and you read those in, 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 in the chapters before you see that, that the plagues, nothing came upon the, uh, the, the, the Israelites. Darkness fell upon the Egyptians, but darkness did not fall upon the land of Goshen. So there was, this, in a sense, like a wall of darkness. You could walk up and you could put your hand through it, and you couldn't see your hand. You pull your hand back, you can see your hand. It was a wall of darkness that was over Egypt, but it was not over Israel. Okay? The land of Goshen. The locusts, they didn't go into the land of Goshen. The, the lice, the frogs, all that kind of stuff, it did not go into there. They, God was showing a separation of his people. But here's these people seeing all these miracles, and they didn't make it three days. And they're backed up against the Red Sea. They look at the disaster. They look at Pharaoh coming, 
And they say, God, why have you done this? You didn't have enough graves. There weren't enough graves in Egypt to kill us. There wasn't enough places to bury us there. You just brought us out here so we'll die out in the desert and parch our bones out here. And this is where we're going to die. And what have you done? And everybody went to murmuring. Everybody went to screaming. Everybody went to say, oh, we could just go back to Egypt, you know, and I'll be a slave. And they were just ready to give up their salvation, if you'll let me say it like that. Okay? They were forgetting that they were saved. Saved from the bondage of Egypt. Saved from Pharaoh's control. They were forgetting that they, the very first thing that happened to them, they were free. And Christians get like that so many times. They get out there and the first time they get into the first little conflict, they stop and forget, wait a minute, I'm saved. I'm not headed to hell. I have an eternity with God. They just throw it off. And say, God, I shouldn't be having a problem. Wait a minute. Winds, the rain, the flood, beating on the house. Jesus didn't ever make any bones about this. Jesus didn't say it was going to be perfect. As a matter of fact, he said, John 16, 33, you know, in this world, you're going to have tribulations, what Jesus said. So the thing I'm trying to say to you tonight is just because there's a problem does not mean there's going to be a disaster. But it's how you approach that problem that's either going to make you an overcomer or a murmur. Now look at this in 14. So verse 13, I'm in chapter 14, verse 13. Moses tries to encourage the people. And Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians who you see today, you will see, uh, you shall see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you. You shall, and you shall hold your peace. 15. And the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. In other words, what Moses is saying and, 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 and to the best of my knowledge, and if I'm wrong, Moses can tell me I was wrong when I get to heaven, but he was trying to pump the people up and say all of this, but he didn't really believe it. He was given the good speech. He was given the rah-rah. We can go forward. Everything's going to be okay. And God said, what do you want? What do you, why are you whining to me? Just tell the children of Israel to go forward. Now, forward means walking on water. Now, in preaching this message tonight, and this is why I'm preaching on a Wednesday night, even though it's going out all over the world, you know, because <clears throat> I want to say something here that, you know, I, I, I can't tell you that I'm right or I'm wrong. I just know it preaches good. And I feel it down here. I think God wanted them to walk across the Red Sea. This is, yea, hey, thus saith Robert Richards. I think when God said, just tell the people to go forward, I think he was going to have 1.2 million people walk on water across the Red Sea because I think that's how big God is. And then I think when the Egyptians came, they were going to say, how did they walk on water? And they were going to run in them. That's what I think. Maybe wrong, may not be right at all. We get to heaven, we'll see the DVD, we'll talk to Jesus, we'll find out about it. But I'm just throwing that out to you tonight. And I think the second miracle or the second plan was parting the Red Sea. Okay, because he said, tell the children of Israel, go forward. And he said, well, lift your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. Now, I may, be just, I may just be preaching tonight and just picking that up. You may not like that, but it doesn't really make any difference. All right. 
one way or the other, whether I'm right or wrong is what I'm saying. I think the first plan was for them to walk on water. The second plan was, God said, well, then lift your rod and I'll part the sea. I don't know technically which would be the bigger miracle. You know, if you're just gauging miracles, putting them in the balance scale of miracles, I don't know if the people walking on the water would be the bigger miracle or the parting of the sea is a bigger miracle. I don't know. They're both big miracles, right? So now he parts the sea. They go across on dry land. My point is, is that it was the grace, the grace of God that he didn't just say, you know, you guys are worthless. You know, you're murmuring. You ain't been out here three days. I'm right here. Do you not see the fire? All right. And just, you know, just a little ridiculous. But no, God's gracious. God's full of love. God has a plan for your life. God has great things he wants to do for you. God wants you to either walk on the water or he's going to part the water. But the disaster that faces you, God has an answer for that disaster. And the first thing you need to know in overcoming disasters is God has a plan. God's not flying by the seat of his pants. God's not just like, you know, like, like, like it's a football game or something. And he's just trying to catch up and just trying to make it happen. You know, like, oh man, they got up. They, they made yards on that. And what are we going to do now? Let's see when maybe we can do this. No, no, no. God has got a plan. Everybody say God's got a plan. God's got a plan. And most specifically, he's got a plan for you. He's got a plan for your life. He's got a plan for everything to work out. Matter of fact, Philippians, Philippians 1 says, <laughs> I like to say it like this. Let's just read it. Let's read it. I'm going to, I'm, I'm, y'all aren't going to believe me. Go to Philippians, verse 6. Being confident of this very thing, being confident of this very thing, that he who's begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. And I say it like this, have some confidence that I'm going to get it done. So when they're faced with the Red Sea, and I know they're looking at the Red Sea, they're saying it can't be done. But you got to understand when you're faced with a disaster in life, it doesn't make any difference how big it is. God has a plan and he has a plan to get you through it. And you need to take confidence in God, not confidence in your ability, not confidence in who you are, not confidence in the resources around you, but confidence in the God who called you, who saved you, has a plan. And I'm really kind of, when you read the Bible, I'm, I'm amazed that, you know, that there weren't people that just rose up and said, what are you talking about? God didn't bring us all the way out here to kill us. And maybe there was some in the group. Right? It's like some of the things going on nowadays, I, will, I can't believe that people are voting for, uh, you know, officials, and they say, well, you know, so-and-so won by a slim margin last night of 50, you know, 51% to 46, I'm like, or 44. It's like, who's the 44 that voted for that person? What are you thinking? You know? I'm like, it should be, you know, there was only 70% showed up and they all voted for the one person. The other guy didn't get a vote except him and his mom that voted for him, you know, right? I mean, I'm blown away that people could be so ignorant, but I'm seeing it now in, in, in voting here 
Well, then I can imagine what it was then. You've been a slave. You've got slave mentality. You've let that slave mentality in. You've lost all your confidence. You've done nothing but for 430 years get beat up. And so now, you know, that's all you're thinking. But folks, I'm just telling you, we've got to change our way of thinking. We've got to have some confidence in God that God has got a plan. God knows what he's going to do. And God's going to get us to the other place. But what we've got to do is we've got to find the plan. And we're spending time looking out the window saying, oh, my gosh, the rain is coming. The wind, the flood, it's blowing, it's beating on the house. When we should be sitting in there in the house worshiping God saying, God, I know you got a plan. You got a good plan for me. It's going to be victory. You know what I'm saying? That's the way we should be doing it. But as Christians, we think God's forsaken us just because there's a disaster. But God is the God who loves to show himself strong in the midst of a disaster. That's why Romans 8 says he wants you to be an overcomer. Well, you can't be an overcomer if there's nothing to overcome. Right? If there's nothing to overcome, if life is easy, no, you just get to heaven and say, you're hearing everybody's testimony, say, yeah, I never had a problem. Everybody's like, really? You never had a problem? No, not do life, never had a problem. One time I stumped my toe on the bed when I walked around at night, but other than that, it was a pretty easy life. I don't exist. And it seems like lately that I've been, you know, coming across more and more people that are going through disastrous situations. And I used to always say when I first started pastoring, first when I first, first started pastoring, I was just like anybody count, I was counseling with or anybody telling me what was going on in their life, I was just like, okay, just hurry up and tell me so I can be quiet, so I can pray for you, so God can do a miracle. And then as time wore on, I began to wear out because I heard so many bad things. And then before long, I was like, ah, nothing could be worse than what I just heard. And then sure enough, something would come up that was worse than what I just heard. Then I said, well, you know, I have to move that bar up a little bit. That one was worse than the one before. And, you know, it just kept going like that. And it doesn't seem to be stopping nowadays. Nowadays, it seems to be just going and going and going. There seems to be more things going on and more catastrophes and more disasters out there. But I want to tell you something. God at this time wants us as Christians to rise up and start being people that will walk on water. It's just like the disciples in the boat crossing the sea and the, river, and the wind's blowing and everything's blowing and everything's going and, 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 and they're bailing water and they're trying to get everything straight and, and Jesus is asleep in the back. When they wake him up and he rebukes them, he says, oh, you have a little faith. What's the matter with you guys? What's wrong with you guys? And they're like, oh, the boat's sinking. We're dying. And he's like, peace be still. Everybody's like, oh, I didn't think about that. Yeah, you didn't think about it because you, you weren't in communication with Jesus. You were just, again, trying to get it. And folks, this is going to be the biggest disaster, the biggest mistake you can make in, in, in dealing with disasters. The biggest mistake is thinking that you can get yourself through it. That's your biggest mistake. If you think you can bail water out of the boat and you're going to make it, and you're going to keep it from sinking, you're wrong. You need help. You need prayer. You need Jesus. You need friends. You need the word. You need it sowed in your life. It's the only thing that's going to get you through and, you know, we're people from Texas, the Lone Star State. We like to do it all on our own. So I need no help. Pioneers. No. Truth of the matter is, we need Jesus. And we're not going to make it without him. And I don't care who you are. Listen, I'm not, I'm not so wise that I know. I, I just say, oh, I can defeat anything. No, no, no. I want to tell you something. I, 
I am the person who just is beginning, beginning now to learn to just say, now nah, I can't do anything about it. Lord, unless you deliver me, we'll die. One of my favorite scriptures is, you know, telling, uh, I, I can't recall it right now in, in Psalms where David says, um, David says, oh, the, the, dead, the dead don't praise you, Lord. And I'm like, well, you know, <clears throat> so if I die, I'm going to go to be in heaven with you and I'll be right there with you. And so if you want me down here, uh, you better do something. Because I can't pull it off. I used to think I could pull it off. Man, I thought, I'll get through this thing. I'll gut belly through it off. And now I'm to the point to where it just, I mean, it didn't, make, it didn't even have to be a, uh, what I'd even consider a disaster. I'd say, I can't do it. Yeah, I can't do it, Lord. Can't do it. So what happens? The Red Sea parts, and they walk through. Then what happens when they get on the other side? They have a big dance. If you go look it up. Miriam gets out there and gets to sing, and they get to hooping and hollering, get all of everything out there, playing. They go to jumping and dancing, and seeing that the Egyptians got in there, got all got killed, right? And they have a great time. Look at our guy. Look how big he is. And then it was like two days later, they run out of water, and they're like, oh, "You're gonna kill us over here!" I'm like, what is wrong with you people? Right? But the problem was, is they somewhere in there, they weren't putting their confidence in God. Philippians 1.6, be confident. And so what I want to tell you is that, folks, listen to me. We've got to have confidence in our God and what our God can do. And if you have confidence in God and what God can do, then, folks, listen to me. You're going to make it. You're going to come out on the other end. You're going to face disasters, and you're going to overcome disasters. You're going to be an overcomer because it's not you fighting the battle, but it's God who's fighting for you. And then, it, you know, you may be thinking, <clears throat> now, Lord, if, uh, if you could just mm, do a little, ooh, put a little ooh, over here, do a little something. Well, then, see, you're starting to get back in it. And you need to back up and say, no, Lord, you're going to take care of that. You're going to get it no matter what happens to kids, grandkids, everything. You're going to take care of everything, Lord. you got it all laid out. You're going to make it all work out. Yeah, you're going to take care of all of it. Hey, no big deal. My God supplies all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. There isn't anything my God can't do. He's the God of all flesh. Nothing's too hard for him. Your confidence starts gaining in the Lord. Amen? And that's how you defeat disasters. Simply that way. So I want to encourage you tonight. I want to pray for you. But listen to me. If you're out there watching, you're listening to this message tonight, I just want you to know, man, God loves you, and God has a plan for your life. I want you to know, it, you may be in a disaster. You may think that the world's coming to an end. You may be just running up and down, but stop for a minute. Go to what Philippians 1 and 6 says. Be confident of this, that God has got a plan going for you. He's got a plan started in your life. Man, he's got an answer to finish it, and it's going to be a good plan. It's going to be a good plan. Jeremiah 29, 11, it's going to be a plan that gives you a future and a hope and a blessing in life. But you have got to stop and put your confidence in God and don't put your confidence in man. And if you haven't done that, well, then, you know, I know you're freaked out and I want to pray for you. If you're in here tonight, the same way, man, I, I'm telling you, I want to pray for you. I believe this prayer that I want to pray over you is going to bless you, is going to help you and get you to that place. Because a lot of times, you know, we just... We're, 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 we're not that far off. We just get a little off. How many of you, how many of you have ever 
been driving in the city, and you know, me being a country kid, and I don't go to the city much, but how many of you have ever been to the city and then you, you got distracted by something and then there was just a momentary bleep, you didn't know where you were, right? And you're just like, okay, where am I? Did I, did I pass that? Did I pass the road? Where, where, where? Okay. So some of you may be like that tonight. You're just like a momentary freak out. All right. And so I want to pray for us. Everybody stand up. And I'm praying this is for everybody. I'm going to pray for you. Father, right now in Jesus' name, those that are in, even if they're in momentary freakouts are facing major disasters and they're in big freakouts. I just pray over them right now, Lord God that the peace of God that passes all understanding would begin to keep and guard their hearts and their minds through Christ Jesus. That, Lord, right now their confidence level will begin to rise in you, Lord God, knowing that Philippians 1, 6, that the good work you started in their lives, you're going to finish it, Lord. That you haven't left them. They're not abandoned children. Lord God, they, they are your children. They belong to you. And Jesus, I thank you that you have your hands wrapped around them, that John 10, 29, they're in the palm of the Father's hand and there's nothing going to take them out. I declare that whatever disaster is facing them, Lord God, you're going to show them the path to walk through on dry ground or walk on the water. Lord, I declare that their, their worry about their children, worry about their grandchildren, worrying about their futures, all comes and stops tonight. It ceases because they put their eyes upon you, Jesus. And you just begin to show them your love, show them your grace, show them your plan, show them that you are going to deliver them. And so, Lord, I just pray that this, this prayer, the anointing of God just gets on them. Lord, it won't get off of them. That even when worry tries to come in, they have no place for it. They just push it off. That worry has no place. Fear has no place, Lord God. They only see the, the bright light of you, Lord, shining over their lives. The glory cloud sitting above them, Lord God, is what they see. And Lord, I pray this night, I pray for their finances, I pray for their, 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 their giving, their tithes, their offerings, their everything that they put their hand to prospers. And I just declare tonight, Lord God, that you are going to be exalted and that we're going to be dancing on the other side of the Red Sea. We're going to be doing our little dance of victory, Lord, because we see how great our God is and everything that he can do for us. So, Lord, bless them this night. Bless them, bless them, bless them, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. God bless you, church.